Hey, good morning, everybody. You doing okay? Got an extra hour of sleep? Wow. Wouldn't that be great to have every Sunday? Just an extra hour of sleep. Only problem is the day would start about 8 o'clock at night before long. Hey, we're in a series called Bless You, and it's all about blessing. And the, the moment that I start talking about blessing, I, I, want, I just have this overwhelming drive to define it. Because if you've had any connection with religion or church like, like I've had all my life, we start, you know, we, we use terms like blessing. Well, we say, well, God really blessed me, or I, I'm praying that God will bless you. And we can get a little fuzzy about exactly what blessing means. So I've been driven throughout this series to just make things as simple as I possibly could because I want us to really understand this concept. And, and I just feel us growing and embracing. I mean, last night we had two fantastic services and people just share with me what God was doing in their lives and how God was using this. And so I, I feel us growing in this area, but I want to make sure that we don't, we don't let it get out of our grasp what it means. Blessing is this. Blessing is supernatural enhancement or gifting beyond the norm. We've said all three weeks that everybody's blessed. All human beings are blessed. I mean, the Bible says that in the book of Genesis 5. God has blessed all his creation. But there are men and women who get to enjoy life beyond the norm. And we find them in the Bible and we know about them in our lives. And so we've been curious to know, what is it that causes God to bless people? Because the key is having God's blessing. It's not being lucky. You know, a lot of people are waiting around to become lucky. It's not about being lucky. It's about having God bless us. And by the way, God is the source of blessing. Now, if God blesses you, forgive me for, break, for breaking a sense. I just need to back up for, for a moment and say something. In the Bible, Scripture says there are blessings and there are curses. And curses freaks us out too because that makes us think about witches putting hexes on people or people sticking a pin in a voodoo doll, doll's arm. That, that, that's just way too superstitious and way too impractical. A blessing is just simply when God pronounces a good future on you. When God says you're going to have a good future, you are blessed. A, a curse is when God says your future's not going to be so good. So that's, that's all it is. And, and here's the thing you need to understand, and, and I'm going to say this again at the end of the message. God wants to bless you. God very much wants to bless you. In fact, the person who gets to choose whether you have blessing or, or not so good future is you and me, because God said, I'm setting it out here. Here's blessing, you know, here's a good future, and here's a not so good future, and God is saying pick, but what we saw last week, God is saying is I really want you to pick a good future. God wants you to choose blessing. He wants to bless you, but by the same token, we can't, we can't just say, well, it doesn't matter how I live my life, because if God, you know, where does this stuff come from? A lot of people have the idea that God, when he blesses somebody, says, well, I'll pick you, and I'll pick you, and I'll like you, and I'll like her, but I don't like you, and I don't like her. That's not how it works. There, it, it is a very, it is an entire, and totally, entirely predictable thing. So in this series, um, what I decided to do is I've shared with you the first two weeks, I wanted to make sure that I didn't read anything into the Bible. I so want to be blessed, and I so want you to be blessed, I, I tackled this subject as though I knew absolutely nothing about blessing, and I just went to Scripture, and I learned everything I could learn. So before I get into today's talk, let me just catch you up on what we've seen already. We've seen this, I said, that God sets before us a good future and a not good future, and God says, pick, but I'd really like for you to have a good future. Well, how do, what do we need to know, what do we need to learn in order to have God's good future pronounced upon us? Well, last week, we learned that there's a nexus between, well, let's read the verse, Deuteronomy 28, 2, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. There is a connection between 
good futures in obeying God. And we drilled down further and we saw how it works in verse 8. The Lord, it says, shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouse and in all that you undertake. Now, there's a connection, a nexus, a synergy between my respecting God's authority in my life and God's authority over blessing. The only person who has the power to bless you is God. You say, well, wait a minute, Mark. What about people blessing people? What about parents blessing children? (laughs) We have no power to bless anybody else. When we bless someone else, it is a prayer, and it's a good thing to do. We'll talk about that at some point. It's a wonderful thing to bless someone, but if I bless you, I have no control of your future. My blessing upon you is just my asking God to bring good futures into your life, and that's important. Again, we'll talk about that. My blessing my children, my speaking blessing over them, I have no power to bless them. I'm God's child. I am appealing for God to bless them, and I believe God listens to that, and all of us who are godly should bless our children. But you get my point. It is God who has complete control of future. People don't have control of your future. Your boss doesn't have control of your future. The people who like you don't have control of your future. People who don't like you don't have, you know, they don't have control of your future. Only God does. So here's what happens. When I embrace God's authority in my life, I also embrace his authority over blessing. Because scripture says if I listen carefully to his obey, obey his commands, God will command a blessing or God will command blessings. We saw last week the word was overtake. And some of you wrote me some really cool stuff about being pulled over by patrolman. If you were here last week, you understand. If not, just scratch that last part. But I got a lot of, I got a lot of kicks out of reading about you guys getting pulled over by police. I laughed about it all week long. But God is saying this. If we will embrace his authority over our lives, we get to enjoy his authority over the commands. And and by the way, every one of you who is a parent, you understand this. When kids obey, when they have a good attitude, what does it make you want to do? It wants that same authority that you have as a parent, it makes you want to take your authority over the checkbook, your authority over the debit card, your authority over, you know, God forbid, the credit card, and, and do things for them. Because if they embrace your authority in that area, you want to use your authority in the area of expressing blessing to give back to them. And this is, this is all what God, this is what God is saying. All right, that's all review. Today we're going to go to what I think probably is the most practical point of the series. And, it, and I don't know if you feel this coming out from me, but I got to tell you, this series has changed my life. I always tell you the next series is the greatest series I've ever done in my life. And by the way, as soon as this series is over, (laughs) if you love heaven and if you've ever wondered anything about what that book at the end of the Bible, Revelation, is about, we're going to do a series called Hereafter leading up to Christmas. And it's going to be great. But I have to honestly tell you, in all my years of leading and, and, and speaking and scores of series I've done, I have never done a series that has changed my life as much as this series. And the point that I'm about to bring you right now is the point that has revolutionized my life since early spring when I grasped this. You ready? Here we go. I, 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 th- I thought about this the other day. We, 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 bought, we bought a chair, and I don't remember who we bought it from, Dillard's or somebody, and, and they were delivering it. And, you know, the door opened, and, and what is the question that people who are delivering furniture ask you when they first come into the house? Where do you want it? 
And that guy asked me, where do you want the chair? And I thought, right now, I can have it any place I want it until Mary Alice comes home and tells me where it goes. (laughs) Now, I want you to imagine something. God wants to bring blessing into your life. God wants to bring life enhancement. God wants to bring gifts and and well-being. God wants to do that. You don't have to talk him into it. You don't have to twist his arm. You don't don't have to predispose him to your favor. God already wants to bless you. So I want you to imagine that God is at your front door with blessing, and God is asking you the question, where do you want it? See, I had never thought about that before. Because, well, I'd always thought about this. I, I sort of understood the connection between my obeying God's authority and God using his authority over blessing. I sort of got that. But I always figured this. And and, and let me just say this. There are some areas where I find it easy to obey God. Is that how it is with you? I mean, when I read Scripture, sometimes I think, well, yeah, I can do that pretty easily. There are some areas in my life where it's not so easy for me to obey God. And all of you who grew up in church, you understand that we have these adapter kits that we put on God's Word. Well, maybe I don't really have to do that. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of different ideas about what the Bible means when it says that. Don't, you know, we're just, we're putting an adapter kit on, on God's word because it's difficult to obey. So I thought about this and I, I figured it just sort of averages out, you know, I, I'm going to kind of obey God and I'm going to kind of get some blessing, maybe just a C plus overall when it comes to obeying God. So, you know, I, I obey him completely in this area, but I don't obey him in this area or I obey God completely in this area, but I just kind of like partially obey God in this area. It all kind of averages out to a C plus. So I've got C plus obedience. So I'm going to have like C plus blessing in my life. Totally whacked. No basis in reality. As backward and opposite to scripture as it can possibly be. I mean, we should know that because in Galatians 6, it says, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always reap or harvest what you plant. Now, when I started studying blessing, this is what what I learned, and this is what changed my life. When God approaches me and asks me if I want blessing, he wants to know, where do I want that blessing? I show God where I want my blessing by being obedient in that area. And all of us want blessing in a lot of areas. I mean, I don't know what your area is that you're craving the most. Some of you want blessing in your finances. Some of you want blessing in your relationships. Some of you want blessing in your sex life. Some of you want blessing, you know, in in your business. We could just go on and on and on and name areas where we want blessing. What we need to understand is like there's not a general blessing for general obedience. There is a specific blessing for specific obedience. The more I studied blessing, the more I saw that. I'm going to give you three examples this morning. And, and could I just say this? This is not really a sermon. I'm just going to give you the principle. you got to go home and preach the sermon because you know where you want it. And so you're going to have to seek out God's word. Many of us know already what God says, but many of us are going to have to seek out God's word about what God says, what is the command that he gives us. Now, let me, let me throw out an example for you. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the Bible says we are to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ forgave you. Is that a command? 
God's not suggesting that I be merciful to people. God's not saying, now Mark, you know, really, you got to think about this thing, but there's some people you want to be merciful to, there's some people you don't want to be merciful to, just, just go out and make a good effort. No. There's no 12-step program here. God's saying, Mark, you just be kind to people. You be merciful to people. That's a command. I don't have any option. I don't have any caveats here. I, I can, I, God doesn't say, Mark, be kind to the people who like you, be mean to the people who don't like you. I'd love that if that was in the Bible. But he, he just doesn't even, he doesn't even ask my opinion about it. He doesn't even sidle up to it, nuzzle up to it. God just says, Mark, be kind, be merciful. And it's almost like he knew my mind because every once in a while I'm saying, but God, there are just people that are just so difficult to love. And it was like God knew I was going to say that. And so he said, forgive them just like Jesus has forgiven you. Now here is where my study on blessing just got turbocharged. Listen to what Jesus said about this same subject. God, this is in Matthew 5, 7, God blesses those who are merciful. Well, a few moments ago, it just said, be merciful. It's a command. But now all of a sudden, what am I seeing? I'm seeing that nexus between obedience and blessing. I mean, our series is bless you. And the Bible says, God blesses those who are merciful. But then look at the rest of the verse because it says how they will be blessed. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown what? Mercy. You get my point? If I'm obedient in the area of being merciful, God will bless me with people being merciful to me. I don't know what your experience has been. But I got to tell you, this has been true in my life. Could I just take a time out for a moment and tell you why this has changed the way I think? Anybody else like me grew up in, in church? And I'm, now I'm going to put a good connotation on this. I usually am negative about it, but I'll, I'll put the best connotation on it. Anybody else grew up in religion? Let me, I, I told Mary Alice yesterday, I just, I was so excited about this sermon, and I said, I wish I had gotten this when I was a kid. Because what I got, and I'm sure it wasn't communicated this way, but what I got was that following God was a list of do's and a list of don'ts. And God was just up in heaven checking the boxes when I did the right thing and putting minus signs by it when I did the wrong thing. And I just tended to look at God looking at my life and seeing if I did the do's and didn't do the don'ts. But when I get to the point where I understand that there is a blessing associated with God's commands, this is what changed my life. I understand now that every time I find a command of God, there's an incentive there. Because when you find one of God's commands, that is your opportunity to experience blessing in that area. When you get this, it will, I mean, what we just read a few moments ago, it will make you want to go out and be merciful to people. And on the car on the way home, you're going to say to your husband, sweetheart, I for, anything you've ever done wrong is not a problem anymore. You won't even get out of the parking lot. 
You won't even get down to the traffic control. I mean, you'll say, I mean, at least it'll be in your heart. And let me tell you why this is so important to me. I screw up a lot. I'm probably the only one here. I probably know because I see the halos on all of you. But <laughs> is there just maybe one other person here who has found yourself praying a prayer that sounds something like this? God, I'm sorry. I told you I would never do this again. Last week I said I'd never lose my temper again. And I asked you to forgive me. And I said, if you'll forgive me, I'll never do it again. But God, I did it again today. Probably nobody else has ever prayed a prayer like that. Yeah, right. I need mercy too much. You, you see my point? I can't afford not to be merciful because there's a blessing associated with mercy. And God is saying, where do you want it? Do you want people to be merciful to you? You want God to be merciful to you? God is saying, where do you want it, Mark? If you are merciful, God is saying, I'm gonna bless you. I mean, Jesus made that point. This is what has helped me so much. It has taken obeying the commands of God from a list of do's and don'ts, and it has turned it into incentives. And maybe it's just my personality. You know, I don't know what motivates you. I am not a person who's motivated by the stick. I am motivated by the carrot. You catch my imagination. You tell me there's an opportunity, and you have got Mark's attention. And now when I read the Bible and I see a command of God, I look at that like, oh, what an opportunity. I can be blessed in this area. Let me give you another one. This one's just in one verse. You can see it come together in one verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment that has a what? Promise. What's a promise? Promise is God's blessing of a good future. I mean, it's right here. Namely, you will live well and have a long life. What's the connection there? Well, where'd you get your life, humanly speaking? You got your life from your mom and dad. You say, my parents weren't perfect. Still got your life from them. You say, my parents were awful. Yeah, but you still got your life. You say, Mark, I didn't like my mother at all, but she carried you in her body for nine months. So here's what God is saying. Mark, if you will honor the people who gave you life, what will I get? I'll get life. I'll get a, an enhanced life. I mean, I know that a lot of the kids are in kids' world today, but if you're a kid and you're still living at home, you're a teenager you're still living at home, I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. You say, oh, well, Mark, I'm going to get into the best schools, and, and I'm smart. I'm smarter than every, I'm smarter than all my teachers. I just know I'm going to get ahead. Maybe not. You, you want to get ahead in life? You want, to, you want to live a successful life? The next time your parents tell you to clean your room, you say, this is opportunity knocking. Parents tell you to be in by 10, you're at 9.58. This is my chance. Now, you know why this works? Because you say, well, Mark, you don't know my parents. It's not about knowing your parents. It's about knowing your God. See, this is not between you and your parents. And, and, and for some of you, a few moments ago, when I talked about being merciful to people, you say, Mark, merciful to that creep. It's not between you and the creep. It's between you and God. See, this is a personal deal. This is God standing at your front door loaded with blessings saying, where do you want it? It's not about the creep. It's not about the people who've hurt you. It's not about your parents. It's not about your wife. It's not about your husband. It is about you and God. See, God has your future in his hands. Let me get to the one that a lot of us are hoping I'll get to. Finances. How many of us could stand 
some blessing in that area. Well, there's a command. It's in one word, Luke 6.38, Jesus said give. Wait a minute. God, I, I want to know how to get stuff in here, not out of here. Well, there's the thing with money. See, the, money and God are the two competitors for who's going to rule our life. In fact, Jesus said you can't serve God in money. He could have put a lot of other things in there. He just chose money. Why is money so important? Because money's power, at least we think it is. Money's freedom, at least we think it is. Money's security, at least we think it is. See, where do you get freedom and power and security, God. But a lot of us buy into the fact, no pun intended, that we get that from money. And if all of a sudden, you know, we just got this windfall of money, our inclination is to think, oh, wow, I'm empowered. My life's going to be better. <laughs> and yet, the Bible says the command, if you want blessing in this area, is to give. Why? Because when you give, you're saying, hey, my future here is not dependent upon this money. It's dependent upon God. And, and look at this command. Give, look at the blessing, and it will be given to you. And it goes on to say how it will be given to you. At the end of the verse, it says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, it, it not only says that if we give, God will give back to us. God is saying the way in which we give dials in the amount of blessing that we're going to get. Now, I know I've lost some of you already because you're saying, Mark, I just don't think I'm going to do this. Well, okay, blessing is not for everybody. <laughs> I want it. And I know what, I, and, and you guys know, I don't talk about giving nearly enough here at New Spring. I, talk, I do it rarely because Remember, God's commands are opportunities. But I understand how it is, and I guess I'm a little sensitive to the fact that some of us have come from traditions and environments where somebody like tried to strong arm you, twist your arm in order to get you to give to the church. And, and I love the way Paul said it because this is my heart. He said, I'm not looking for a gift. I'm looking for fruit that can be accredited to your account. So at this point, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, when you give to New Spring Church, you take care of the needs of this church. When you give to missions, you give to the effects that God is doing outside our walls, but you know, I mean, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to twist your arm here. I mean, I, you guys know how I am. I believe if you believe, if you're a new spring and you believe in what God is doing here and you want God's blessing in your life, I'm just convinced you're going you're gonna to respond to the needs that God puts before us. But let me just talk to you, for, and, I, and I've been trying to establish a principle, and I want to read some scripture that just like spills out all the principles I've been talking about in one text. Let me just say before I start that God's people through the years, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, in the law, before the law, God's people have done something to show that we don't worship money and that we worship the God. And it's called the tithe, and tithe means a tenth. And, and, and I've done this throughout my adult life. I've done it when I've done poorly. I've done it when I've done well. But the Bible says we bring the tenth to God. It is our way of laying it at, at the floor of God, and we bring it to the place where, it, where, where the Bible calls it the storehouse, in other words, where the food, the grain, the word of God is stored and where the word is disseminated. Now, 
In the book of Malachi, there were a group of people, a whole nation of people, who had decided that maybe God wasn't worth them bringing the tithe to him. Listen to how God responded to them. This is in Malachi 3, verse 8. God said, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God said, you've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse. Now, what do we learn about a curse? A curse is a, it's not like sticking the pin in the voodoo doll. It's not a hex put on you by a witch. It's just your future's not going to be what it could be. For your whole nation has been cheating me. What did God mean by cheating? And how can you cheat God? Think with me for a moment. The key to you and me as God followers being blessed in the area of finances is to give and to bring the tithe to God. But you and I are never commanded to bring anything if we're not receiving anything, right? The tenth of nothing is, that wasn't a hard question, all right? A tenth of nothing is nothing. So if I'm not receiving any income, God didn't ask me to bring anything. God, let me ask you this, does the tithe come first or God's initial blessing come first? God's initial blessing comes first because until his blessing comes, I don't have any tenth of anything to give. So God always moves first, doesn't he? Because this is the thing. I mean, before I can tithe, God has to bless me. So God is saying, okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to bless you, Mark, with a paycheck. I'm going to bless you with income. Now it's my turn. It's my turn to, God didn't ask me to bring back 100%. God just asked me to bring back a tenth. And as we're going to see in just a moment, God says, look, Mark, don't even worry about it because if you obey me in this area, we're going to see in a moment. God said, I'll open the windows of heaven. But God does his thing, and now it's my turn. Well, what was happening in Israel was God was doing his thing. And by the way, do you know what's interesting? I don't even want to get off on this subject. But do you know that statistically, God followers tend to tithe less as their income goes up. Isn't that freaky? In fact, it is predictable. I mean, it's systematic. The more the income goes up, the lower level we tie that. Oh, of course, we get a little taste of power. And why should God have the power in our lives? Pastor friend, he's, he's in another church, but he's in a state adjacent to ours. That's all I'll say. He had a guy from his church come up to him just bragging about how things were going well for him. Seven-figure income. And the pastor said, well, I'm sure you're giving a tenth of that. It must be a real, a real blessing to you to be able to bring a tenth. And he said, well, no. He said, the fact of the matter is it's just so much. Do you have any idea what a tenth of like seven-figure? It's just huge. And, and he said, you know, we used to find it easy to tithe at 70,000, 80,000. But he said, you know, we got into seven figures. I don't know. And so the pastor said, well, would you like for me to pray for you? And he said, well, yeah, you know, please pray for me. I'd like to be blessed. So the pastor friend started praying. And he said, dear God, I want to pray for my friend here. You've blessed him with seven figures. And he's having such a hard time bringing the tenth. Could you, like, back it off back to about 70,000, 80,000 again? And somebody could say, well, Mark, you don't understand, man. I, I, 
I, I am an important person now. I'm a, I'm a big guy and I'm a big gal and you don't know I've got this title and I'm at the top of my league and, and I just don't know that I can afford to bring tenth. I understand it. I get it. I'm a mega church pastor. I'm at a whole new level. <laughs> Not. I want to tell you if God hadn't blessed me, I'd be Nothing. God says, you've cheated me. I've moved, but you didn't move. Now, God is saying, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my place. And, and, and these are metaphors. God is saying, look, wherever you worship God, and by the way, if you're not a new springer, please don't bring us your tithe because you need to bring your tithe to the place where the storehouse is, where the food is going out from. But wherever the storehouse is, where the food is being disseminated, God is saying, bring it to the storehouse. And God says, if you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. And one of the few times in the Bible, God tells us this with one of his instructions. He says, try it. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine. See, it's not a matter of God, God's saying, it's not just what I'll bring in, it's what I'll keep from going out. Well, I don't know where you need blessing. I just gave you these three so that you'll see how the principle works. I try always to be really honest with you. Because it means so much to me that credibility exists on this stage. You need to understand that every once in a while, two God concepts come into play in our life. And they can feel like they're at crosswinds. They're not, but it can feel that way. We have established a God rule that if we obey in an area, we'll be blessed in that area. But there's another God wind blowing in our life that can come into play, and it's the subject of faith. Faith is trusting God when things don't seem to be working out. Now, let me tell you why I'm going here. Back last March, I think it was, when I was journaling on this subject, God revealed to me an area of my life where I wasn't disobedient, I just wasn't completely obedient. And now I'm totally incentivized by it. I'm kneeling down in front of my recliner. I'm saying, God, I'm going to be obedient. I, want to be, I need to be blessed in this area. God, I'm going to fully obey. And instantly, it wouldn't be a big thing. You wouldn't have been probably all that impressed with it. Just an area of my life where I wasn't fully obedient. Instantly in that area, I just began to obey God. Can I tell you the honest truth? It got worse. I mean, the situation that I was dealing with that was connected with it got worse. And I'm saying, wait a minute, God. I mean, I'm holding on to this new thing that I just got from the Bible. And the question is now I'm going to throw it down and say it doesn't work. Am I going to keep holding on to it, keep obeying God? And now things are getting worse. And it doesn't always work that way because there's sometimes when I obey God and boom, it's instant. This is a really old story. It's like the very early years of my pastorate. And our, our church was located on South Hillside back in the day. And we lived in the parsonage across the parking lot. That was really something. You just never knew who was going to show up. It was like a reality show. (laughs) 
But it was fun a lot of times because, frankly, a lot of times we just have missionaries. They were, they were on their way, you know, they were, they were presenting their, their work, and they would just stop by the house unannounced. They would just be driving through, and we had an apartment. The parsonage had an apartment behind it, and a lot of times the missionaries would come by because they would know they would stay there, and, and we would have some time with them or else, and I would have dinner with them, and it was just a good experience, and I, and I got to be around a lot of, a lot of cool people. <laughs> but I remember, and again, I didn't have two nickels to rub together, I got to tell you, back in the day. I remember this missionary couple came by our house, and they were really, really having a tough time. And it, they were out of earshot, except I was kind of eavesdropping a little bit. And, and I heard the gal talking to the guy about needing a hair, haircut. And, and, and they, they only had like about $5, and she was saying, well, I know there are some schools where they train hair cutters, and a lot of times they'll cut hair for like a real small amount. And maybe that's a good idea. It just didn't sound good to me. And I had, I had, all I had left in my pocket was a $20 bill. That was it for days. But before I realized what I was doing, I just reached in, took a $20 bill out, and I said, look, I don't know what this will do. I don't know anything about women's hair or anything. But I said, here, this, just do whatever this will, will get. After I did that, I realized I was in really rough shape because I'm addicted to Diet Coke. And this is so far back, there was like a, a QT on Harry not far from our house. And so I drove down to Harry because I had like gone through all the change in my car and, you know, put my hand under the seat there and kind of like felt around and took, I had enough change to buy a 32-ounce Diet Coke. I remember that. And I went into QT, bought my Diet Coke. I was coming back to my car and I looked down at it. So help me. It was at my feet, right by my door. There was cash, $35. I picked it up and instantly started walking around trying to find out who it belonged to. I went to people all over the parking lot and said, is this yours? Is this yours? And they all said, no, now that's a miracle. <laughs> miracle was not finding the $35. The miracle was all those people that I walked up to put cash under their nose said, don't belong to me. So finally I decided I'd just go into Quick Chip, leave it with the guy at the, at the counter. He said, I can't accept that, that's cash. You didn't buy anything, can't take your cash. So I'm walking around holding this. And God doesn't talk to me out loud or anything, but this is one of those times God's like saying, you paying attention, Mark? <laughs> Sometimes it works that way. Sometimes you're going to obey God, and it's not going to change for a while. You're going to show mercy to your husband. He's going to be the same jerk he's been for 30 years. You're going to forgive your wife. She's still going to hold everything you've ever done against you in detail. <laughs> it's that moment. Your whole future of blessing is going to come into play. Let me read to you what the Bible says. Well, Jesus said this. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea. As you know, Greek language is very colorful. It's got, the, the nouns have cases, the verbs have tenses, and it's so colorful, a lot of times there's inferences in the statement in the Greek. And what Jesus is saying, this, I'm going to make a long story short by saying this. When Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, what he's saying was, you do have it. That's not in question. It was the second part that was in question, the part about saying to the mulberry tree, be uprooted. Now, we don't want to uproot trees. That's not the point. What Jesus is saying is, look, you've got the faith. Act on it. 
Well, how do you act on faith? You are probably looking at the most impatient person in your world. There is nobody more impatient than I am. As such, there is a scripture that I think about almost every day. I want to leave it with you now. Hebrews 10.35, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Oh, man. All of a sudden, we got blessing to the exponent. We thought blessing was just going to be addition. We thought, if I obey God, then I'm going to be blessed. But now God is saying, wait a minute. If you obey me and it doesn't seem to be working out and you hang on to your confidence and don't throw it down, not only are you going to be blessed for obeying me, you're going to be blessed because of faith. That's why verse 36 says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Read that, obey. Then you will receive all. That's blessing that he has promised. See how it works? It's huge. It's huge. So if you're obeying God and God's going to bless you, you're almost better off if God doesn't bless you instantly because if he doesn't bless you instantly and you keep obeying God, you're going to, get, you're going to rack up all kinds of points. You're going to get blessing for obedience. You're going to get blessing for faith on top of it. Here's the point. So many of us are going to have to obey when things don't seem to be working out. See, I don't don't think that would be too challenging, would it? If God said, bring the 10th, and he's standing right there with, you know, 10 times that amount of money, we'd say, oh, sure, no problem. You've got the money right there? You ready to go, God? Okay, I'm writing a check. You just stick it in my pocket right now. You know, atheists would do that. (laughs) The problem is we have to obey when it's not working out. One of my favorite psalms, Psalm 126.5, says it with eloquence that I can't match. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. In other words, if I obey God at a time of tears, a time of stress, a time of pain, a time of uncertainty, God is saying, Mark, you go ahead and obey me. You may be planting your seed in tears. God's saying you're going to reap with songs of joy. You'll go out weeping maybe, and God said you'll come back in with God as number one. I want to close with a question that I did not write for you. I wrote this question for myself. Because when all this became crystal clear to me, here's what I wrote in my journal. And again, I'm not asking you to answer this question. I've always told you you're not listening to a professor, you're listening to another student. I get no discounts because I'm a pastor. I have to obey God just like you do. This is the question that I wrote for myself after studying this out. Which part of my future do I care little enough about that I can afford to be stubborn? I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, but I can be stubborn. It's my nature. And sometimes God tells me to do something, and I don't verbalize it, but I'm saying... I'm not going to do that. Now I'm asking myself, 
just which part of my future do I care so little about I can afford to be stubborn? Is it my marriage? Do I care so little about my marriage that I can just flip God off? Not me. Outside of my Lord, my marriage is the joy of my life. I want to obey God. Is it my kids? Nothing makes me as vulnerable as being a, vulnerable as being a dad. I desperately need God's blessing. So I want to obey God when he tells me how to be a parent. Do I care so little about my finances that I can just tell God, no, I'm stubborn. No, I care pretty much about my finances. You see what I'm saying? Which part of my future do I care so little about that I can afford to be stubborn? Right now, I can't think of any of them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us be here today. Thank you for letting us learn your truth. Start with me, God. I need this so much. Help us to realize every command in your book is an opportunity for blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.